All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 308 of This Week in Marvel. It's the official Marvel podcast of all things comic books, movies, TV, action, adventure, excitement, and all those things that we usually bring to you. I am not Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I am Ben Morse, the editorial director of digital media here at Marvel Entertainment. We are without Ryan this week. He is on the road. He is in Los Angeles today. I think he's going to uh, Portland as well. But that other voice you hear is uh, my other co-host, who is... I'm assistant editor Tucker Marcus. Yeah. And because we can't just do this with the two of us... No way. We brought in a special secret weapon. Why don't you uh, make your make yourself known, secret weapon? Hi, I'm Maggie Clemento. I'm their intern. She is our intern. <laughs> but today, she is our equal. Yes. Because we are all equals exciting. here on the This Week in Marvel podcast. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it, it, it feels full circle for me, yep. I have to say. Having joined in on the podcast as an intern once or twice, longtime listeners might mm. remember, might dread the memory of it, <laughs> of of hearing my voice. Remember Italian right? Tucker. Indeed. We, yeah. I remember when we hired you. <laughs> yeah. Ryan's. <laughs> I said to Ryan, I go, so I think we're going to hire Tucker as the assistant editor. He yeah. goes, oh, great. He can do voices on the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> I'm hoping he can do more than that. But yeah. at the yeah, very yeah. least, we have that, if yeah. nothing else. Wow. Uh, I mean, well, I, I have yet to do any. So I guess, yeah. like, in Ryan's Today eyes, be the day. I'm, you, you're, I'm completely you've failing been at my job. Yeah, yeah, you've been worthless. Yeah. yeah. But Maggie, we're excited to have you. Thank you. You read some books. I did. You're ready to talk about them. I am. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's dive right in. I will get us started, guys, and I want to talk about America yes. Number 7, written by Gabby Rivera, art this time by Jen Bartle, Annie Wu, Ming Doyle, Odd Cock, and Joe Canonis. Um, it's, a, it's a jam issue because it's basically... The story of America's ancestry, if you mm. will. She's talking to her grandma, um, who she's talking to her grandmother, Madramar. Yes. And Madramar basically leads her through not just the create, not just of her own story, but the story of America's mothers, how the planet they inhabited created, how the powers that America would eventually inhabit would be created. It's gorgeous art. Uh, all through, just different art for every phase that they go through. Very distinct pieces, but very good. America really showing off her character here, saying, why did you not come and get me sooner? Mm -hmm. uh, getting on Madrimar's case. Madrimar kind of saying, like, well, there was a reason. I had to protect the uh, the planet we came from. They came from Planet Fortuna. Uh, they ended up... They ended up living on the Utopian Parallel, a living world created by the Demiurge William Kaplan, a.k.a. Wiccan. Uh, all its inhabitants are women. We find out that um, America actually got her name from 
the fact that Billy Kaplan was born in America. Mm. So that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But we got to learn a lot about America, a lot about her parents, some really beautiful stuff, some really emotional stuff between her and Madramar. Um, and then she shows her, basically takes her back to her birth uh, and shows why she ultimately had to leave her. Again, just beautiful art throughout the book, illustrating this incredible history. Then at the end, we cut to a hidden location where uh, the exterminatrix is um is at is 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 up to no good of course <laughs> and uh she is going to be taking on america next issue as america dives into marvel legacy but this is just a beautiful book and it was really to me emotionally packed mm-hmm. uh, it was about a girl who had been felt abandoned felt like her family had gone away from her and all this time basically she's like her grandmother was watching her, mm-hmm. and she feels a little betrayed by the fact that her grandmother never came and got her. Um, it really fleshed out America's character for me, really fleshed out Madamar, and just created this whole world. I think Abby Rivera did a tremendous job. All her artistic collaborators did a tremendous job. Really, uh, probably my favorite issue of America so far. Yeah. It felt so expansive. Yes. Like, in so many Good ways. Good work for like it. Cosmically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, we've gotten to know America really well herself, kind of in this ground-level way, and then getting this huge backstory mm-hmm. just... Really emotional read. It's great. Yeah, well put, Tuck. Yeah. Uh, next up, my first choice is Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi, Star Wars Captain Phasma number two. That's a mouthful. Oh, yeah, it is. This was a good one. Oh, so fun. Written by Kelly Thompson, art by Marco Keto, uh, colors by Andres Massa. And we pick up, as you might expect, right where we left off with uh, Captain Phasma in hot pursuit of uh what what's this guy's name again rivas of, rivas yes soul rivas uh who uh phasma is in the interest of i don't know maybe, maybe scapegoating maybe mm-hmm. getting some of hers uh kind of cleaning up a bit of her own recent history as well as some history that we've yet to learn about uh and so she is in a tie fighter following uh rivas and she follows him to the planet luprora which is a really cool kind of snow, jagged rocks planet. We get some cool action again with the First Order's BB unit. Uh, just takes some abuse. I, yeah, he really does, and he gets backpacked. I would not. Yeah, I would not want to be a BB unit for yeah. the First Order. They are not treated well. No, not at all. Especially like on a hike like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he gets thrown in a backpack and taken along because spheres don't do well on jagged giant rocks. It's anyway, fair point. It's a fair point, You guys. know what? I make Something a, to consider. I think that has got to be the most logical thing I've yeah, said. Yeah, absolutely. You really dug in there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. Good. Uh, <laughs> Stick to your guns on this. Uh, so Phasma and the TIE pilot that she's taken along with her fi- find on this uh, essentially what seems to be an abandoned, really harsh planet. They find uh, a little hut, and they uh, know there's a village nearby, so they want to get changed. And there's a really cool little subtle moment where we see Phasma... Uh, we don't see her face. We don't even see her head. But I was like, I was sure we were going to see it. I was like, completely. oh my god, yeah. this big reveal is going to come in this comic instead of in the movies. Totally, what a win for us! <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you turn the page, and she is already dressed uh, in with a her, mask. Yes, uh, helmet on helmet in on, her yeah. kind of incognito uh, other uh, garb, and we and we uh, 
we do get to see an unmasked TIE pilot. Uh, and then, and so they continue their adventure, and boy, do we get some awesome Star Wars Man. monsters in this story. Yeah, Marco Cucchetto really nails just in this. crushing. Did you said uh, the the colors is Andres Moson. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Really, really great colors. Just totally gets the whole Arctic underwater nature of the whole planet, and really sets the scene for you. Completely, we get this awesome fight between this giant kind of octopus monster teeth. Thing and Phasma. <laughs> well said. And I, I, I don't know. There's just something so cool that I love about seeing knives mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yeah, it's cool. It, it's a weird little tiny thing, but yeah. in this universe where we were so used to laser swords, mm-hmm. yes, uh, <laughs> uh, we get this kind of cool, just like really gritty ground level thing. Anyway, Phasma goes to the village. She meets some villagers who speak uh, a language that she can roughly translate. And uh, Phasma ends up uh, speaking to them about where Rivas has gone. And they essentially tell her that he is gone and he's not coming back because he ended up in another godforsaken monster Mm. dwelling uh, where he uh, is unlikely to return from. But Phasma doesn't want to let this loose end stay that way so she's going in to make sure he never comes back really awesome kelly thompson just crushing non-stop with captain phasma love it love it maggie on to your first book what do you got for us so i'm going to be talking about uh the avengers number 11 uh so it was written by mark wade which is really exciting um art by uh mike del mundo Colors by him as well, and Marco D'Alfonso, and letters by Corey Petit. Uh, so we kind of start out with the Avengers uh, being locked out of Parker Industries. Yep, uh, this is the aftermath to Secret Empire. Yeah, exactly, and they're not thrilled about it, you know. Who lots, would be? Yeah, her lava <laughs> lamp's be? out on the street. She's, yeah. you know, I'd be bummed if my lava lamp was out on the street. Uh, Spider-Man shows up. Do you have a lava lamp? Well, we may never know the answer to that question. Okay. Whoa, <laughs> wow. cryptic. Very cryptic. <laughs> wow. Mysteries abound. <laughs> yeah. So um, in any case, they're they're all kind of annoyed that this is happening. And that leads us to kind of what the issues focus on, focuses on is them splitting into different groups and kind of having these really wonderful, you know, emotional bonding moments between, you know, some unlikely characters. So first... Spider-Man goes off with the Wasp, and she really doesn't like him, so it's going to be about him trying to change her mind. Um, Then we're with uh, Thor and Falcon, Mm -hmm. and we have some really great moments with Falcon kind of exploring um, his role as Captain America and how he actually may have felt a little bit resentful Mm. about that role, how it was kind of thrust upon him. And he promises Thor that because of the way he felt about that, he's not going to, you know, force her to do anything with regards to her illness. Mm -hmm. So that was quite, quite nice and also quite sad, Mm. to be honest. We move to another pretty sad arc, which is uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, the Vision and Hercules kind of chatting things out over drinks. But it's not, you know, your normal bar scene. Mm. It's Vision asking Hercules what it's like to be immortal. Because 
Vision's kind of bummed out about it, and Hercules says that, yeah, at first it, it kind of sucked. <laughs> um, you know, I'd turn around and someone I loved is dead. You know, yeah. that's not great. But he talked about how, you know, appreciating people in the moment really allowed him to connect with them and remember them, and that's how they lived on, kind of uh, completing Vision's arc there. Um, we move back to Wasp and Spider-Man, and while they're doing less emotional stuff and more animal wrangling as this circus truck is over overturned yeah, and that was great yeah <laughs> they're just trying to get you know these monkeys and lions together they fight over the type of monkey it is it's kind of a light-hearted uh part to this whole story um we jump back to thor and falcon and she's kind of trying to make him remember that it's not you know who you're dressed as it's who you are that mm, makes your character well said and she even gives him her helmet in a really amusing moment <laughs> and well uh falcon kind of feels a lot better about everything and then the group's back together and we're on to whatever happens yeah. next Ooh. yeah i want to mention i want to call out mike del mundo for his art in this issue because it's always so challenging for an artist, even as one as dynamic as Mike Del Mundo, to draw an issue that's essentially just characters talking to each other. Mm. There's a little action in here with the escaped animals, but he's really he's drawing a lot of talking heads, but he makes it look so good. He makes it look so beautiful, and I really like this issue as well. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. All right, let's talk about X-Men Gold, number 12, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Luke Ross, colors by Frank Martin, letters by Corey Pettit, who I believe just did yours. Um, and then we've got... Basically, this issue is not focused on the X-Men. It's focused on Kolagoth, who is a new villain, possibly. Ooh. We don't really know for sure. We uh, go back to the planet Darteus in the Negative Zone, where Kolagoth was born. He was kind of an outcast. He looks weird. He looks like some sort of crazy demon. Tucker, you know what that's all about. Of course. <laughs> um, and he, his parents uh, abandoned him. His dad takes him out to a field to kill him, but instead he leaves him with a knife. Kolagoth grows up. He grows up strong, he grows up wicked, and he uh, basically kills anyone he comes into contact with until there was one guy who called himself Augur, who he comes into contact with, and he doesn't kill him, and Augur takes him back to kind of the royal palace that he was thrust out of. He gets revenge on his parents for abandoning him, and then transforms, uh, basically becomes the leader of this world. At one point he was an outcast, now he's the leader of this world. He uh, rise, raises up a rebel army to try to take out the establishment, ends up getting captured, which forces him into exile on Earth, gets thrown into a jail cell. People just assume he's a mutant, mm -hmm. uh, when in actuality he's an alien, obviously, and mm -hmm. might be a mutant alien. Uh, gets hooked up with Mesmero and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. We relive his battle with Kitty Pride. From his perspective, we see him getting captured by the X-Men and uh, busted out by the Executioner. And now he is back. He, he uses the X-Men's communication equipment to, to contact Augur. Gets a little bit more information about um, his situation on his planet. And we find out this is all planned on this guy's part. So he's interesting. He's this villain who on the surface just looks like a bruiser. But he's actually quite calculating. He's quite vicious. And there was a lot to him. I liked getting to know him. Then we get a two-page 
Coda with Mojo getting news about his ratings not being so great <laughs> and uh, someone paying the price. So good stuff. Good art by Luke Ross. Uh, really well done. I, I liked getting to know Kologoth a little better. I think he's going to be a cool villain for the X-Men, and it's always neat when something is added to the mythology, to the tapestry. So mm-hmm. I appreciate issues like that. this. They're really cool. Building to the gold blue crossover. Yes, correct? yes. Gilding to the building. Gilding, building to the gold. <laughs> gold. Gilding. Yes, there you very go. Very nice. It was. It, a, it was a perfect pun. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see a crossover between uh, X Men Blue and X Men Gold called Mojo Worldwide coming up next, and it's gonna be Mojo against all the X Men. Crazy stuff. We've already seen preview pages of Apocalypse of the Phoenix. Who knows what Mojo is gonna have in store for the X Men? Sounds awesome. Uh, I, Speaking of awesome. Yes, and... Uh, no, I was trying to do a cool segue there, and I, I, I have nothing. Give it a shot. Speaking of superheroes, <laughs> we have Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number four, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Adam Kubert, uh, colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, I, and, and I want it well-documented. Again, I am a chip head. Yep. I got a big chip on my shoulder. You're a real chip nut. I am a chip <laughs> nut. Uh, a real, I, a real chipmunk. I am. I am a chipmunk. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. what his fans should be called. The yes. chipmunks. Uh, we pick up where with the tinkerer who just busted into Wilson Fisk's penthouse, where Spidey, the Human Torch, and Spidey's maybe sister Teresa uh, uh, just confronted uh, Kingpin in last in the last issue. And it's so great. The name of the issue. Uh, with the Tinkerer kind of in this, t- like, tank-like monster machine. The name of the issue is Tinkerer Tailored Soldier Guy. There you go. And just really just great stuff. Uh, so uh, we open up on this big battle between Spidey, the Tinkerer, in this kind of tank machine, uh, Human Torch helping out, doing the best they can, and Wilson Fisk essentially just watching on mm-hmm. because, as we know, he's gone legit, yep. or supposedly, uh, and uh, so he's not a direct threat at the moment. But re- the 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 crew is obviously uh, really suspicious of him. The Tinkerer and Spidey crash out the window onto the street, and the Tinkerer uh, in a, a, a kind of classic. Uh, Spidey uh, savior moment uh, stops a car from being dropped on some civilians uh, and right when they get to the Tinkerer's machine to try and stop him they see that it it was just a hologram Mm -hmm. of him the entire time. Spidey is mad about it. We cut to Triple J. J. Jonah Jameson uh, who is so good, so funny in this series. Uh, really unique take on a kind of 2017 J. Jonah, uh, who is in semi-retirement. He's working in the digital age. Uh, <laughs> he has uh, a blog now that he's pitching to Robbie at the Daily Bugle, trying to get uh, back into the newspaper game. Robbie isn't having it. And then... Uh, uh, who is it? Betty who Brant. It? Betty, Betty Brant comes up to Jay Jonah right as he's about to leave the offices and says, uh, "She knows what info he has on Spider-Man, and, and that Spider-Man is working with a rogue, some sort of rogue agent to sh- steal Shield secrets, and mm-hmm. she believes him, unlike Robbie." 
And so it seems like we might be getting a Betty Brant, J. Jonah Jameson team up mm-hmm. uh, coming very soon, which is really exciting. We cut back to Peter, Ter- uh, Teresa, uh, back home, and they see that this uh, this S.H.I.E.L.D. news has hit the Internet, and they know that the FBI, as well as some other nefarious figures, are going to be after them for it. Uh, so they leap into action, Spidey suits up, and uh, in order to get Teresa to safety, he, Spidey uh, tries to uh, just have her shack up for a few days. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to his girlfriend, Rebecca, who's doing a stand-up set at Madcap's Comedy Club. <laughs> uh, and this was just, uh, this is my favorite moment of the issue because it was such, it's just such a joyous little diversion really quickly because they go Rebecca's finishing up her stand up and Spidey says I don't know if I'd call her his girlfriend per se love interest they're hanging out out. she likes him they're figuring it out but she has some serious hang ups when it comes to the web (laughs) you know what you're right uh, and uh, uh, Spidey jumps up on stage and says, I've wanted to do this my entire life. And we get some quick Spider-Man stand-up. Mm. And, oh, Terrible man, stuff. It's, it's so bad it's and brutal. so good. Uh, uh, he gets booed off the stage and is not very happy about it. Rebecca turns down the opportunity to uh, house Teresa. See, I love this because yeah. it was so logical. It yeah. was so just like, of course this character is not going to, you know, harbor a fugitive under her roof. And... Spider-Man and Teresa just like kind of like yeah, I guess that makes sense. That was a big ask. Sorry yeah, about that. Completely. Very Zadarsky. Yeah, totally. And she and she kind of calls out the the classic trope, uh, Rebecca, where she just says, "I'm not going to be the friend that gets caught up in a supervillain's scheme mm-hmm. because I decided to help you out once." Yeah. So Spidey and Teresa go and visit the Mason, and when they visit his, when they get to his lab, there is a big bad somebody waiting for them there and uh it's a big deal coming in issue number five really exciting chip exclamation mark chipmunk on it loved it cool so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not good at segways so uh i'm just gonna jump into it my next pick was monsters unleashed number six written by colin bunn art by andrea brocardo and uh, colors by Chris Sotomayor and I know this was a bit of a transitional kind of setup issue mm. but I still thought it was really cute uh, we start with Kid Kaiju and he has a bit of a problem and that as you all know he draws monsters and they come to life by the way might I say I think that's a really cool power. It is a really cool power Like yeah. it's unique. Yeah I would you love want that? to draw something and have it come to what life What would you draw? monster that spits money like (laughs) (laughs) I like that you don't just draw money you have to draw a monster that spits money you have to make it a little more difficult agent of chaos yeah Yeah. Um, so the problem is that you know he has to control the monsters he's drawing but he's sleep drawing now oh no not good Um, so his little robot Herbie visits him he's a robot tutor and babysitter Mm. pretty cool Um, but uh, Kid Kaiju doesn't really tell Herbie what's going on because uh, he doesn't really know what's going on himself, so he tries to keep it quiet. Um, but then uh, Elsa Bloodstone shows up. They have to use his monsters to fix a problem, which is a nuclear power station uh, kind of melting, essentially. <laughs> big problem, yeah, right? big problem. So he brings out all these beasts. Um, they kind of deal with things, although kind of terrify all the people at the same time. 
you know, I'd probably be a little scared if I had, you know, giant monster flies yeah. flying me out of a nuclear detonation. Yeah. But Dave Which is a situation you'll probably find yourself in at some point. Regularly, yeah. yeah. Here at Marvel HQ. <laughs> um, so Dave's saved, all's well. Um, so, but he still has his sleep drawing problem. So he decides to tell Elsa about it. Uh, so they go to the savage land to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Need somewhere nice and safe and quiet <laughs> where basically she's like, you know what? Nothing nothing can go wrong here. You're surrounded by dinosaurs and vegetation. Yeah. Let's just go nuts. Library, and of course, Kid, Ka- <laughs> Kid Kaiju loves it. He's, he's super excited to be in the savage land. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be? Uh, so he's talking about his sleep drawing while he's kind of shuffling in the dirt. And then... Huge problem. He's been drawn in the dirt the whole time. Yeah. Oh, that was. I love. I love that touch. That was a nice touch. And he brings someone to life. I'll leave it to you to find out who. Yeah. It's not good news though. Yeah. Not good news at all. Okay, those are our picks for the week, guys. Um, let's go into some quick hits, starting with all new Guardians of the Galaxy number ten, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Aaron Cooter, colors by Yves Forcina. We have a lot of cool, abstract Elders of the Universe stuff here. If you guys have listened to the show for a while, you know that Ryan and I love the Elders of the Universe. We get a fight between the Collector and the Grandmaster. We get the Guardians stepping in, Drax doing something very cool. And then some stuff is happening with the other Elders, and we get to see all of the Elders. I love there's this splash page um, where Aaron Cooter draws all the elders. He draws the obliterator. He draws the runner. He draws the contemplator. He draws the gardener. And specifically, the contemplator and the gardener, something is wrong with them. We see another villain who's messing with the gardener and some hints as to maybe what put him awry. Uh, there's a lot of talk of Infinity Stones particularly a quest that's going on. And in fact, the end of the issue proclaims the quest for the stones has begun. The adventure continues monthly in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Next up, I have The Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, number 11, written by Ryan Stegman, art by Brian Level. And we pick up in hot pursuit of the Rhino. It's Annie Mae, MJ, and and, uh, Pete. They catch up to him, but guess what? It's a shock surprise Rhino kind of wanted that to happen all along, and Pete and MJ get taken out, and Annie Mae gets kidnapped. Uh, there is a great uh, story going on with Liz Allen, who is uh, the object of someone's revenge. Uh, MJ, who is uh, uh, who has the symbiote um, uh, attached to her, uh, is a just pissed off trying to find her daughter who is uh, being held up at Oscorp by Normie uh, the, the the angry child of Harry Osborn and Pete and MJ just want their daughter back at all, all costs and as they finally get there uh, it turns out that Normie uh, has been just one step ahead of them uh, and Annie Mae is in some serious danger. Next up. Uh, yes. Next up is Doctor Strange number 25, uh, written by uh, John Barber. Um, lots of artists actually doing yeah. this because mm-hmm. there was both past sequence and current stuff happening, and the art is very different mm-hmm. in both, and I really recommend checking that out. 
so this is kind of a smaller one-shot issue that explores, you know, all the people in Doctor Strange's town kind of turning into these weird monster-like things. Uh, and But for whatever reason, this feels oddly familiar to him. So the issue kind of explores him trying to remember what the hell is going on, why these people are attacking him, and he remembers this you know, haunted child he once helped, and he figures out that, you know, she's kind of everything behind this, and um, while that's kind of the main plot, the more emotional arc is that, you know, he admits that he had done something wrong and caused all this to happen again, and that's a nice moment there and kind of sets up um, him dealing in this world where there's not a lot of magic. Yeah, very cool. Let me see it for a sec real quick, because I want to call out the artists who did work on this issue. Um, the current present sequence art is by Juan Frigari and Java Tartaglia. Then the past sequence art is all by Kevin Nolan, who's kind of a legendary uh, Doctor Strange artist. And the rest are inks by various people. We get inks by Scott Hanna, Dexter Vines, Mark Morales, Terry Pallet, Tom Palmer, and Dan Brown. And it is all very cool. All right. Moving on, we got Generations of the Marvels, number one. It's Miss Marvel meeting Miss Marvel, written by G. Willow Wilson. Great art by Paolo Villanelli, who I've not seen before. Uh, colors by Ian Herring. Kamala Khan has been transported back in time to when Carol Danvers was running a magazine. Um, she was basically, the, the thing here is uh, she poses an intern at this magazine because she's been zapped and she wants to stay close to Carol. Uh, Carol is running this progressive kind of like feminist magazine where she wants to put a new spin on the classic women's magazines, you know, mm-hmm. with makeup tips and, you know, love advice and all that. She wants to do something with a little more substance. But unfortunately, it's not selling. And in the process of it not selling, we had a great moment where Kamala needs to buy uh, disguised clothes. And she's like, can I get anything in here for under 20 bucks? And she is pleasantly surprised on what she can afford for 20 bucks in this past (laughs) setting. Uh, Then J. Jonah Jameson mistakes her for an intern. That's how she ends up at Woman Magazine with Carol Danvers. And then a... uh, an alien investor comes wanting to buy this magazine, basically just to mess with Carol. Carol suits up as Miss Marvel. Kamala suits up as Miss Marvel. They team up to fight this Shi'ar alien. They uh, have a nice little dynamic. It's cool for Kamala because in the present day, she's having her problems with Carol. So getting to work with her and kind of get a new perspective is really refreshing for her. Um, not only does Kamala help fight the alien, she comes up with a plan to save Woman Magazine, basically a middle-of-the-line thing where she's like, you know what, you can do the makeup tips and you can do the love advice and you can also do the more serious feminist stuff and combine it all into one. You get to have your cake and eat it too. Uh, she leaves a great impression on Cal- Carol Danvers and exits the issue by saying, we will meet again, which they will. It's been really interesting to, to have been reading the Generations issues mm-hmm. before we learned uh, kind of why these characters are where they are mm-hmm. in Secret Empire. Absolutely. And then after, it's it's the, the context added there has really made it so great. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. It's cool stuff. Also cool stuff, Invincible Iron Man number 11, 
written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by not only Stefano Caselli, but also Kate Nimzik, who was great on Mockingbird, Taki Soma, who I believe is making her Marvel debut here, as well as Kichi Mizushima, also making the Marvel debut. And what happens is it's basically a collection of stories about Tony Stark from these women in his life, the first time they all met Tony Stark, which of course he doesn't remember mm-hmm. any of the first times they met him. And we get all these different artists illustrating these different things. Mary Jane talks about meeting Tony after a runway show and how he was hitting on her at first, <laughs> but then they actually get into a pretty deep conversation and it's really uh, affecting. Then uh, Riri Williams shows up. This is all, they're talking to Tony Stark's birth mother about all this, but Riri Williams shows up and talks about a time she actually helped to save Tony's life that he doesn't remember it was when uh, during an alien invasion involving the Skrulls. We get more great art there. Then we get Friday uh, talking, giving some secrets about Tony Stark. Um, the fact that he goes to a hospital and hugs babies, <laughs> which if you read Brian's uh, letter to the fans at the end of this issue, takes on a whole new meaning. It's really mm-hmm. sweet. Uh, really deep stuff. But then we end the issue with a big cliffhanger as Tony Stark's body has gone missing and that is going to tee us up for Marvel Legacy, Invincible Iron Man number 593, The Search for Tony Stark. Awesome. Next up is Poe Dameron. You're my friend. Next up is Jean Grey number (laughs) 7, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. You're right. J does come before P. J comes before uh, P, yeah. Wow. Um, And then we've got... uh, Colors by J. David Ramos. We've got Jean being haunted by the older Jean. She's trying to get away from this thing. So basically the Scarlet Witch shows up and she says, Hey, Doctor Strange told me you're having some issues. Told me that you were stressing out about this ghost. Let's go and kind of relax. So Wanda kind of takes young Jean almost on like a spa day. They go to the Savage Land. A lot of people go to the Savage Land this week. Mm. Popular uh, destination. They go to the Savage Land and they do some yoga. They fight a monster in Rio de Janeiro. Um, Old Jean Grey will not leave her alone. They go to a cooking class in Monster Metropolis. I love it. It's just a cool (laughs) bonding issue. But old Jean Grey is not having it. She says, look, we need to focus on the Phoenix. We need to get back to what we were doing. We need to go and confront another psychic. I'm not going to say who it is. It's pretty cool. Um, It's going to lead to the Marvel Legacy stuff, and it is really big stuff. So actually, I'm next. Yeah. So wait your turn, Tucker. (laughs) Because I'm doing Luke Cage number five. uh, That was written by David Walker, art by Nelson Blake II, and colors by Marcio Menes. So I don't know about you guys, but actually this uh, this issue really just made me so sad. Aww. Um, A lot of sad stuff going on this week. Yeah. So we kind of hit Luke... Uh, trying to talk down uh, Kevlar, a.k.a. Kevin Larson, who's kind of gone nuts um, uh, because of what was done to him by uh, Cyril Morgan. Um, we're also dealing with kind of uh, Noah Burstein having to face some of the things he's done. Yep. Um, there's a lot of other unhappy things going on at the same time. Warhawks getting the crap beaten out of him and getting really injured while... Luke was actually able to talk down Kevin and is trying to come to their aid. Um, but unfortunately, Luke and Kevin don't show up in time and uh, Warhawk is dying. Bad things are happening and it just doesn't end on a very uplifting note. But I'm hoping a future issue will kind of resolve things, hopefully. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it, it's cool action though they're really uh it's luke being forced to question things that he's held dear values that he's held dear in terms of his former mentor and father figure things be really this arc has really reinvented the relationship between luke and noah mm-hmm. and that's yeah. going to have a huge effect on luke moving forward yeah definitely that um just a lot of emotional stuff with very luke. emotional now at last it's the moment you've all been waiting for since i teased it Five minutes ago, uh, it's Star Wars Poe Dameron, number 19, written by Charles Soule, art by uh, Angel Anzueta, colored by Arif Prianto. We pick up on a force, first order light, cru- light cruiser called the In Shadow, where Snap and Poe have been taken hostage or taken prisoner. Mm. It's a subtle difference, but... Uh, <laughs> but a key one. Uh, uh, absolutely key. And... Uh, they then we cut quickly to Jess, Kare, and Sir Linda, who are down on uh, the planet Spalex, uh, being held captive by some stormtroopers, and they're trying to find their way out. We get a really quick flashback for Kare uh, and get a little more uh, uh, details into her state of mind. Then we cut to Adi Mava, the former traitor good guy who made some bad decisions who's being tortured by the first order he's the one that poe and snap are trying to rescue in the first place and uh someone uh finds a way to get him out of torture meanwhile sir linda Kare, and jess make their escape attempt from the stormtroopers and sir linda uh uses her drones to take out the stormtroopers uh, meanwhile, similarly, Snap and Poe make their own escape and come to Sir Linda, Jess, and Kare's rescue, and, uh, and uh, uh, an, a dogfight ensues between the First Order and Snap and Poe, and Adi, uh, turns out he made his escape as well, and he gets a final redemptive moment where he makes his choice to uh, prove what really matters to him, and he takes out the First Order cruiser, uh, and uh, then things wrap up with Jess, Kare, and Poe after that. Yeah. Oh, so it's actually back to me again. Sorry, Ben. Um, (laughs) Kind of getting left out here. Uh, I'm going to talk about Royals number eight. So that's written by Al Ewing, uh, pencils by Kevin Lebronda and Javier Rodriguez, inks by also Kevin Lebronda and Alvaro Lopez, and colors by Jose Villarubia. Uh, so like the Doctor Strange one I talked about earlier, there's kind of time jumping back and forth happening here too. We open with the last Inhuman, uh, talking about the Sky Spears, and so then we jump to the present, and to actually dealing with these sky spears. So what are the Inhumans dealing with? It's that uh, this weird lizard race is essentially... Snarks. Yes, the yeah. Snarks. That's that's a cool name, actually. Yeah, right? I like to be a part of the Snark race. Um, no, you don't. They're, they're <laughs> terrible. Well, the name, in name only. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they're kind of taking all the Inhuman powers for themselves and to, you know get their prince to be super powerful and the inhumans are not taking this well uh we kind of jump back again a little into the past to deal with gorgon Mm -hmm. dealing with a bit of these kind of 
issues, what it means to have powers, what it means to, you know, use your own strength, which he does when we jump back to the present to kind of kill one of the snark lab rats and break out of there and come to the Inhumans' aid. Uh, So Gorgon leads all the captured Inhumans out to help Medusa, and they overcome the Snarks, which is pretty cool. Some really great action sequences here. Um, And then I was really shocked by the ending that happened here. I was just like, what is going on? And I'm clearly not the only one, uh, because all the other Inhumans are like, what just happened? (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) Guys, there is some pre- Bone zone action Ooh, going on in this book. A little setup to some potential bone zone action, and it's very exciting stuff. It was quite a twist. Uh, the next one I have, I'm trying to think of some if there's anything you guys are the related. Worst at segues. I'm trying to think. There's there's absolutely. I've taught you. Oh. N- I've taught you nothing. Okay, here's my segue. There, there, like you know how there, we were just talking about the bone zone. Well, the mm. opposite of that would be absolutely nothing, even remotely close to the bone zone, which mm-hmm. is. All about Spider-Man 2. Uh, number very, three. Very tenuous connection uh, there, uh, Thank you so yeah. much. I yeah. appreciate that. No, uh, it, it's issue number three, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sarah Pacelli. And uh, this is almost one of our picks this week. I yeah. really enjoyed this. It's close to being on my list. Too. Yeah, really, really fun uh, kind of this vision of this alternate dimension here. And it's essentially we get a, a many years ago, we get a story uh, a kind of a, an origin story for this uh, uh, Wilson Fisk. And we pick up with him. He was essentially just tossed into prison uh, because he was a, a bodyguard. Uh, and we see him uh, bite off a dude's nose, which is awesome. And we kind of see the trials and tribulations of uh, Rikers Island Prison uh, shower shanking attempt uh, where... Uh, Turns out, Miles, who is the other Miles Morales, the other Miles Morales, T O M M, love acronyms, uh, <laughs> comes to his rescue, and we get an unlikely uh, kind of uh, uh, duo here with Wilson and the other Miles Morales. Something I really loved here, and it's so small; it's this tiny little note. But we get the credits page like almost halfway through the story, which mm-hmm. I loved so much. Have you ever seen The Departed? Yeah, of course. It's it, it reminded me of that where okay. it's like you you are so deep into the story mm. and then you get the title card yeah. and and it's just a I don't know it just adds a really cool uh, kind of flavor to the whole thing. And we get Miles on a date at a restaurant he actually owns years later with Wilson Fisk with a woman named Barbara and uh, Wilson kind of wingmans him a little bit. Miles has a re- real liking for Barbara. Then we cut to. Uh, uh, Wilson and Miles in conversation with the Don uh, and they essentially kind of show their muscle off a little bit and uh, Wilson offers Miles a new future in the end and we'll see where that leads. Next up I believe is me Mm -hmm. with the Star Wars Annual number three written by Jason Latour, art by Michael Walsh and it's a Han and Leia story and they are on this remote... Did you like this one, Maggie? I love Han and Leia. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, they're on a remote planet called Adona, uh, where they've been stuck in this ice cave, essentially, for, uh, Leia says, a day and a half. They escape a, uh, a, a monster in that cave, just barely, and then we see in the sights of a gun is 
Han and Leia, uh, who are being uh, aimed at by some bad dudes, like a robot alien uh, team of assassins. Han and Leia try to make it to the Falcon to get away. Uh, Han, uh, as he does in his rogue hero way, uh, tries to um, make a, a, a saving attempt. He ends up falling down another cave where he meets a long, uh, aggrieved enemy uh, who we get a backstory about. Um, whose his name is Frax, and it turns out that what Fra- great name. Frax, Frax, yes, Frax and Han entered uh, a smuggling pact essentially, and Han, as we know, he has done once or twice before, ended up dropping his cargo. Frax was not happy, and it set him on a mission for revenge for Han Solo. It turns out he was behind this assassination attempt all along. We get a showdown between Frax, Han, and Leia right at the end of things. Leia then in classic princess style actually comes to the rescue there and it ends with some lovely conversation and uh, between the two where Han says uh, in a in a great twist via you know via the mindset of Han that is kind of uh, uh, just backwards from what you usually expect instead of him saying i'm out of here i'm done he's saying no you're not getting rid of me i'm sticking around whether you like it or not uh a really fun classic kind of han and leia dynamic issue speaking of lovely conversation wow oh man the there totally we go awesome yeah Hulk starts with Maggie wow. pulls ahead of tucker in the Segway <laughs> race today and unfortunately you have no books left so um, she wins. Maybe later on today we could have a literal Segway race. You know, like on the street, like a Segway, like a oh, stand up. Let's take it to the street. Yes. Let's take it to the street. <laughs> yeah, that sounds totally fun. Um, <laughs> so, totally fun. The Totally Awesome Hulk number 23. Nice. Oh, Double man. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's pulling she's away. Stringing them together. <laughs> uh, written by Greg Pack, uh, art by Ibrahim Robertson. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. Nope, and that's right. Colors by Nolan Woodard. So it does start out with some nice conversation between friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amadeus Cho has a bunch of his friends over, Kamala, Silk, uh, Jake, even Black Panther's yep. there. Uh, just lots of fun. Um, they're eating rice with everything, which I enjoyed. Um, and then, you know, he kind of explains why he brought them all there. It wasn't just a fun night out with friends. It was because he wants to figure out what's been going on with the Hulk. So the best place to figure that out is the moon. So everybody heads to the moon. I'm shocked it wasn't the Savage Land. I just assumed it <laughs> yeah, was the right? Savage Land. Um, and, you know, at first he's a bit afraid to confront the Hulk, you know, all of his issues, but his friends assure him that he's safe and the Hulk comes out and there's some really you know, kind of deep emotional stuff that he's going through with discussing the Hulk and realizing that the Hulk is actually much more a part of him than he realizes. And um, things start getting out of control. And even though his friends are trying to calm him down and tell him, you know, he's not a bad person and they do care about him, things don't quite go as planned. And uh, Black Panther actually triggers um, the Hulk's side plan, which he always has. Mm-hmm. And to f- see what that is, you're going to have to read the issue. Yeah, nice tease. Good job, Maggie. All right. 
Speaking of teases, we've got U.S. Avengers number 10, and I am going to tease you guys with all the tantalizing goodness of this issue. Written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Diaz. This is the aftermath to Secret Empire. We've got a couple of the U.S. Avengers still fighting alongside the uh, European team, the champions of Europe who've been helping out. We've got Sunspot, former Sunspot, former Citizen V, Roberto da Costa, having a meeting with Kevin Krask, advisor on superhuman relations at the White House. Uh, things are not going well there. He basically wants to take over Roberto's control of AIM and use AIM on his own. General Robert Maverick, who is their former government liaison, and also the Red Hulk, is dealing with the fallout of the nanobots that were in his body that were forcing him to remain as the Red Hulk. We're going to see what the aftermath of that is for him. Dr. Tony Ho, the former Iron Patriot, is trying to help him out with that. It's not good. Um, meanwhile, we've got Squirrel Girl and Enigma having kind of a heart-to-heart. Enigma, of course, is with Dr. Tony Ho, and she feels like she may have done something wrong by encouraging her to stop being the Iron Patriot. Luckily, the Plunderer and Blue Streak show up so Squirrel Girl and Enigma can go and punch them. Uh, Roberto, still back with the Governor's stuff, pulls a boss maneuver, pulls the rug out from under them. Then we see the fate of Red Hulk. It's kind of nasty. And then we see that some of the AIM people uh, want Dr. Tony Ho to be the new leader of AIM. How can that be? Roberto DaCosta's leader of AIM. Again, you're going to have to read it to find out. At the end, Smasher shows up. Smasher, of course, being the wife of Cannonball, thought dead. Maybe not so much. We'll see what happens next issue. I have no idea how to segue, so I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to talk about, which is Venom, number 154, uh, written by Mike Costa, all art by Paulo Sequeira, and color... Great art by Paulo Sequeira. Really, yeah. really good issue. I was... Very impressed by the art. Paul Sequeira has been around for a few years doing the occasional spider book and really stepped up here to a whole new level, I thought. Just drew an awesome Venom and just uh, all the stuff he did with the symbiote and the way it segued through scenes was brilliant. Yeah, it was super intense. And uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. So um, this issue kind of explores a bit of the relationship between... Eddie and Venom, you know, they they have one of the weirdest, I'd say, relationships. Yep. Very strange dynamic. Yeah, they there's a lot of care, but a lot of, you know, it's a bit toxic. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Haha, <laughs> yeah. Venomous, even. Um, mm. So, but this is very much focused on, not on Eddie, but Venom himself, or itself. Mm-hmm. We're not sure. I know, I'm not going to gender Venom. Uh, and just kind of exploring what Venom thinks of being a hero, what that means, um, how Eddie plays a role in that, how, you know, and how Eddie was very different from his other hosts. Yeah, I like how he examined, uh, it examines all the past hosts and kind of says what it got from each of them. Yeah, looks back to even Lee Price, who I know you talked to Nick Lowe about him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good ear. So that's really exciting. It uh, looks really cool. So, um, and I thought this was really interesting, but it kind of ends with Venom talking, 
I'm not sure who this guy it's is. It's a priest yeah, who uh, they assaulted in a previous issue. Basically, yeah. in a previous issue, Eddie Brock lost control of Venom, and Venom assaulted this priest because the priest had suggested to Eddie that maybe his relationship with Venom was not the healthiest. Yes. So Venom kind of lashed out against this guy, and now he's kind of coming to him in the hospital and talking to him and making his peace with him, which was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, but also very emotional and how you know he doesn't attack the priest this time but Mm -hmm. actually tries to gain some kind of understanding and even better himself in a way so that was very cool but interesting issue absolutely and we wrap things up with venomverse number three written by colin bunn art by even coelho colors by matt yaki we've got the venoms against the poisons and the poisons have just recruited deadpool as their newest hero but venom on their side we've got all these venoms gathered from all these alternate universes rocket raccoon venom a mary jane venom a ghost rider venom uh, looks like a version of mania Wolverine's in the mix, Doctor Strange, uh, and they, Venom, our Venom, Eddie Brock and Doctor Strange have come up with a plan to bring in a ringer. They bring in Carnage, which seems Mm. like a terrible idea, (laughs) Uh, but they think Carnage might be their only hope in battling these poisons, but of course Carnage first wants to kill all of them, then the poisons show up, and Carnage teams up with the various Venoms. There's a lot of great action in this issue, beautifully drawn by Ivan Coelho. Another Venom gets turned into another poison. This war is getting really down and dirty, and uh, someone gets captured. And we learn the true nature of what's been happening with Doctor Strange bringing all these Venoms to this universe. And it's not as good as they thought it was. Mm. We did it. We did it, guys. We got through everything. So now let's talk about the collections on sale this week. They include Captain America, Secret Empire, Daredevil Epic Collection, Heart of Darkness, Doctor Strange Volume 4, Mr. Misery in hardcover, Howard the Duck, The Complete Collection Volume 4, Moon Knight Volume 3, Birth and Death, Power Man and Iron Fist Volume 3, Street Magic, Thor, The Trial of Thor, and Thor, Worthy Origins. Digital Comics on sale this week. We had the Legacy Free Preview Spotlight Number 1. But also on the app this week, Tucker, why don't you tell us what's available? We have Daredevil number 274 to 282 from 1964, Incredible Hulk numbers 19 to 24, 26 to 32, and 56 to 61, that's from 1999, and Tales to Astonish from 1959, number 21 and 23 through 39. Also, for digital collections on sale this week, there we have a Marvel Captain Marvel Masterworks Volume 2, Deadpool Max Nut Job. Uh, Iron Man Masterworks Volume 6, Marvel Firsts, the 1970s Volume 1, and Submariner Golden Age Masterworks Volume 1. Maggie, why don't you tell us what's freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited? So, Amazing Spider-Man number 25 from 2015, uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda number 5, started in 2016, um, Captain America Sam Wilson number 20, 2015, Daredevil number 274 and 277 through 282 um, from 1964, but also Daredevil from 2015, and that's issue number 18, and Daredevil Annual, numbers 5 and 6 from 1989, Deadpool the Duck, number 5, The Great Lakes Avengers, number 6, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 18 from 2015, Howard the Duck, issues 8 and 9 from 1979, Mighty Thor number 17 from 2015, Monsters Unleashed number 5, Miss Marvel number 16 from 2015, Patsy Walker aka Hellcat number 16 
also from 2015. Uh, Poe Dameron, number 12, from 2016. The Sensational She-Hulk, numbers 14 through 17, from 1989. Uh, Spider-Man, number 14. Sorry, all these dates. 2016, <laughs> and also Star-Lord, number 4, from 2016. Then Call of Duty, The Precinct, issues 1 through 5, from 2002. Uh, Punisher, number 10. The Totally Awesome Hulk, number 17, from 2015. The U.S. Avengers, number 4. The Uncanny Avengers, number 21, from 2015. The Uncanny X-Men, number 19, from 2016. Venom, number 5, from 2015. And Wolverine, number 96, from 1988. Right, so that is all good stuff for you guys to enjoy this week. This week on the news section, we got a special treat. We got editors Jordan White and Heather Antos. We're going to talk a little Star Wars. Ooh. We're going to talk a little Not Brand Eck, which yeah. is coming up soon. So we've got some breaking news there. Um, yeah, exclusive, more exclusive news. That are just keep coming to This Week in Marvel. They want to break the news here, and who are we to say no? Wow. So go enjoy that. Then check out the West Coast action with our West Coast correspondents, and we'll be back with your questions and comments. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. All right, we have come to the news portion of the podcast. This is very serious. This is very uh, important. And that's why we have very serious, important people here. Mm. We have editors Jordan D. White. Hello there. And editor Heather Antos. Salutations. Good to have you guys here. We're going to talk about a couple things. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is Star Wars. Oh. We have a big creative shift coming up mm -hmm. very soon. And we'll get to that in a sec. But first, I want to do a little check-in. Okay. You guys have been doing Star Wars for roughly three years now. Yeah. Is that it, it'll be three years in January. Yeah. Wow, okay. So yeah. it'll be three years in January. I want to talk to you guys about... Your experiences over the first three years, what you've kind of learned about editing Star Wars comics, because it's it's a oh it's an undertaking. It's a huge franchise, and it's it's not like any other comic. So I want to just kind of pick you guys' brains on what you think you've taken away from three years of editing Star Wars comics. Star Wars is awesome. Yeah. That's, that's the number one thing I've taken away. You didn't know that four years ago. <laughs> oh, no, I knew it, but like this like just kind of confirmed it. Yeah. Okay. Um, confirmed. Confirmed. Um, well, here's one thing I can talk to talk about. Uh, I can talk about the difference between how uh, Star Wars folks and Marvel folks look at this Ooh, kind of yeah. ongoing storytelling. Yeah, both please. both in both please internally share. in the companies, but also in the fandoms as well. Mm. Which is um, obviously both Marvel and Star Wars fans are both concerned with continuity and Absolutely. stuff like that. Yep. But um, Star Wars fans are more strict on it. Really? Than, than, yeah, yeah. Huh. In that, in that they're, well, obviously, you know, Spider-Man has been Spider-Man for, what is it, 50-something years now? Something like that. Um, so, obviously, he's not uh, 65 years old. Right. He's, we go, okay, it's fine. All these stories happen, like, and they all happen in the last, I don't know. 15 years? 15-ish years. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, they all fit mm -hmm. in there. Don't worry yep. about it. How many Christmases did he celebrate? Don't so worry many. about it. Don't worry about yeah. it. Just, 15, it's fine. Um, whereas in Star Wars, they're very concerned with um, the timeline, the timeline yeah. being, yeah, and it's like if an event happens, it happened one time and that is it. And now that, that day on the Star Wars calendar is full. And mm. if you say Darth Vader is somewhere else that day, it's not going to work. He is, this is where he is on that day at that time. 
forget it. He was on Dantooine, sunbathing, <laughs> yes. you know, like really soaking Star up. Star Vader do a lot of sunbathing? All of the sunbathing. I was going to say that black outfit's got to be Well, no, impressive. what they do is they take the back to tank out uh-huh. into the sun and they okay, just float sure. and he just bobs in it. Bathing. It's beautiful. Yeah. So when are we going to see that in one of the issues? <laughs> uh, it's a spoiler. We can't tell you yeah. when. It could happen any moment. Talk with Charles Soule. Okay. <laughs> so you guys have also, as you've you started out, you know, we had the Star Wars book. We had the Darth Vader book, the original, uh, the Leia book. Mm-hmm. You've done so many cool little character miniseries and stuff since then. What are some of your favorite Star Wars projects and stories you guys have gotten to oh. work on? I think the first, I mean, they've all been fantastic good you know, answer in their good own answer. way but um i think that one of the first ones that i was like oh my god i can't believe we get to tell this story is the lando mini series yes. that, that we put out and i remember when i first sat down and read charles soul's pitch for that um spoiler alert ahead uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't read lando just just check it out it's a pretty good read it's pretty good yeah, and yeah, uh forward ahead a little bit it's a Mark um, limited right Yes, yes, it is on Marvel Unlimited. Sorry, um, it took me by surprise. <laughs> but yeah, when I read that pitch, uh, and and Charles dropped in the the you know the twist at the first issue where mm. the the ship that Lando yep. stole, like whose is it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it it was my first like holy crap moment. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe we're getting away with this. I can't <laughs> believe we get to tell this story. This is amazing. Also, for a character that we all think is so cool and suave. Um, it was a really dark story. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah. Which is an aspect of the character we just haven't got to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Lobot makes people cry. And, and yeah, getting- Lobot stuff was... I, I, all right, confession, guys. Yeah. Before, unlike you guys, before we started doing Star Wars comics, I was not a huge Star Wars fan. Oh. But Blasphemy. I've, I have come around... Thanks to the hard work you have done. You have learned yes, in the last three I, years that Star Wars I is have learned in the last <laughs> three years. I've really come to appreciate Star Wars. But that was one of those things where Lobot, I had no idea who this guy is. Zero. And by the end of that book, I was like practically in tears on the train just about how sad it was. And I had to come and Ryan Panagos had to fill me in on. Yeah, have you seen Empire yeah, since then? He, he, is now, he has now told me like, here's how it was in the movie. I've yeah, done. yeah. Um, um, you, you'll see it and you'll be like, oh, that poor guy. Like, that poor guy. It's so sad. <laughs> it's crazy. That's great. I, w- I, I, I guess I'm going to go with the original Darth Vader series. I think mm. that's such a great series. It's, uh, what is it, 25 issues long, one annual? One annual. Uh, and then the Vader Down crossover. Yes. And uh, I think we just put out a omnibus of yes, the entire did. series. Yep. Such a great series. Um, it's the story. Basically, it's the story of Vader uh, finding out that Luke is his kid mm-hmm. and and what that kind of sets in motion uh, in his life right. as part of the Empire and the beginnings of his distrust of the Emperor, right. which obviously culminates in what happens in, in Return of the Jedi. I don't spoilers. want to spoil it. Yeah, I don't want to tell anybody what happened. Anyone hasn't seen that. A long little, time ago. Yeah. If anyone hasn't seen this 40-year-old movie. Yeah. <laughs> that everyone has seen. Um, I want to ask you guys also, before we get to talking about some of the actual new stuff, because I'm, I'm just fascinated by the, mm. the editing of Star Wars. I think it's just a very interesting topic. Um, and I want to talk about the fact that you, you mentioned continuity and how mm-hmm. kind of tight it is. The fact that you guys are working like in between movies yeah. on all of the... Various books, and it's not all of the books are not all in between the same movies. 
How, what kind of challenges does that present and how do you how do you tackle those? I think one of the biggest challenges is uh, especially because the majority of our books take place between uh, episodes four and five in New Hope and Empire yep. Strikes Back. And, uh, you know, a lot of people see that as like the classic Star Wars era. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's the time that everyone wants to be telling stories. Yeah. And, you know, that's the time where Luke Han and Leia are all active and doing things, not frozen in carbonite, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. That can be a um, tough one. Yeah, it's hard mm-hmm. to tell adventures when you're when you're a block of ice. Very, very limited. Uh, so because of that, the majority of stories, not just in the comics, but in the novels, you know, um, video games, et cetera, like all take place in this area. And mm-hmm. so it's a very short time between films, mm-hmm. um, roughly three years, I think. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and for a timeline that is being so tight and stringent Mm -hmm. on who is doing what, where, when, it makes it harder to come up with stories that that fit within that time frame Mm -hmm. and allow for future stories to be told. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And, and, well, I mean, the big thing being everybody knows where it's going. You know, in our main Star Wars book, like, like Heather said, it's before Empire Strikes Back. So we all know... At some point, they're going to get to Hoth. Is Han going to die? No, obviously not. He's in the next movie. Is is Luke going to become a Jedi Master? No, because we're going to see that later. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so they know a lot of that stuff. So the the challenge is always, okay. So we can't do those kind of surprises that right. you might do in a story where you don't know where what's going to happen in three years. Uh, what can we do? What what other kinds of surprises can we have? What, and what kind of emotional stakes can we give to these characters, um, so that you feel that something important is happening to them, even though it isn't that thing. It isn't the, you know, the, we're, we're, we're not going to see them kill Darth Vader. We're no. not going to see them overthrow the Empire. We're not? Not, not, not yet. Yeah. And other I mean, watch, watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's got some good it stuff in it? it. It's got good stuff in <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, and other questions, you know, we have to ask ourselves is, and, and this was a big part of, of the original Star Wars and Darth Vader pitches, mm-hmm. is, what information do our characters have in episode five that they don't have in episode four? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, by what the changes? End of it, what changes? Mm-hmm. So, what information do our characters learn in between this time that we can, you know, tell those stories? Yeah. I mean, we talked we talked about um, about uh, the Vader series, and that was a big part of that too. Is that uh, in A New Hope, uh, Vader is? I don't want to say he's like a low level guy. He's still an important guy, but. He answers to a lot of people. Sure. A lot of guys boss him around yep. or are not afraid of him. Whereas when we start Empire Strikes Back, people are afraid of him and he's mm-hmm. killing underlings willy-nilly. Yeah. Uh, what happened? And and we do kind of get into that in, cool. uh, in the Darth Vader series, his, his, what, why his position changed. And a lot of it does have to do with because uh, his feelings about what's going on is changing. One cool thing you guys get to do is you've introduced new characters who are having like mm-hmm. some staying power and really uh, picking up some steam. Whether it's Sana Solo, Doctor Afra, Sana Staros, Sana Staros. We're not calling her Solo anymore. They, well, it was a trick. She wasn't actually married know, to Han Solo. I mean, yeah. All right. You <laughs> read got, the books, I do read the books, <laughs> guys. I, want, I might want to be. I might be one of the only people who reads every book we put out every week That's for impressive. this podcast. Fair so enough. if I forget. You, we should name. do. We should do a segment where we quiz you. Oh God, what a nightmare! <laughs> um, but yeah, talk to me about creating these new characters. Like, how is there is there a process that the writers have to go through pitching you guys on? Hey, we want to introduce a new character. Or is it just like introducing a new character in any book? Uh, 
it, for the most part, it's like any book. I mean, yeah. if it's a really big thing, like if we were going to launch an, an entirely new uh, series about a new character or, or, or do a whole story that's about a new character, it'll get a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, attention on it. But mm-hmm. but that's also the same for our, our comics. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, right. If we were just like, oh, we're going to do a superhero called Mask Face. Yep. We'd go, well, terrible, let's talk about idea. this. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jerry Duggan. That just got rejected. Yeah. Whoa. Fast <laughs> I don't actually have the power to reject it. So oh, okay. Well, it. then go we're ahead. going for it. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing is true. I mean, obviously, Dr. Afra started out in Darth Vader. Vader but yeah. when she started out in Darth Vader, we had no idea she was going to be uh, somebody Dr. we'd give a, a series yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we just thought, oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, sure. And uh, it was. Who are who are some of our favorite new characters besides I, Dr. Afra? I love Chanath Cha. Um, oh, Chanath Cha from Lando. In, yeah, from Lando. Um, she was a female bounty hunter. Uh, yeah, she you know just, she was very cool. It was a great reveal too. It was yes. one of those you just see this this bounty hunter yep. and and everyone just assumes and the helmet comes off. Helmet and comes off. And you're like, oh, it's a lady. Yeah. yeah. That's what um, I said. That's <laughs> it's a lady. <laughs> um, uh, Tol- Tolvin uh, from uh, Dr. Afra. She's an Imperial uh, officer. She's pretty great. Black Kersantan. Black Kersantan. He's one, one of my silent favorites. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, he got that backstory recently. Yeah, in the, really the Afra annual, yeah. um, Kieran got to explore his backstory and, and why he is the way he is and, and you know, the weird life that he kind of has mm-hmm. with Afra going on. Well, not a life debt, but an actual money debt mm. that Afra has with him. And and it, getting to know a Wookiee's backstory sure. um, is pretty cool. Pash Devane was pretty cool Yeah, from uh, Star Wars Annual number two. Mm-hmm. And we're about to introduce some new, uh, in, uh, what are they called? Inquisitors. Some yes. new Inquisitors in Darth Vader that have never been seen before. Very exciting. New characters for that. That'll be fun. Very soon, yeah. Yeah, very, very soon. Very, all right, cool, soon. guys. So you have all this cool stuff going on in Star Wars. Very exciting. Amidst all this, Jason Aaron, the guy who's been writing Star Wars yep. since he kicked it off, is going to be leaving with issue number 37 in October. Mm-hmm. Yep. First, I want to know, how did Jason break the news to you guys that he was ready to <laughs> move on? How did he break your hearts? Uh, wow. Oh, I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is this uh, a story that can't be told? Uh, I mean, it's not that exciting of a yeah, story. <laughs> Jason is, uh, Jason is such a good writer, and mm-hmm. he's uh, he writes so many good books for Marvel, yep. and uh, you know, it got to a point where he wanted to do more than he physically could possibly do. And, and you had uh, to say, stop, Jason. Yeah. I, well, it, I mean, I think it was, you know, it was his decision to come off of Star Wars. But mm-hmm. again, he had done, as you said, 37 issues. Absolutely. Good uh, run. It's a very good run. He told a lot of great stories. And he told pretty much all of the, the big stories he wanted to tell. In, the, in his last arc, he kind of got to do a bit of a... Um, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it. Like, like to, to a montage, yes. almost. Yeah, because yeah. he because he did a bunch of one-off stories. So right. it was to, to do like, oh, I never got to do this sort of a thing. Let's do that. I never mm-hmm. got to do a thing with this character. I never got to do the thing with with this. And uh, so he got to like do a greatest hits, a that quick cool. greatest hits, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we'll definitely miss him. I mean, he he brought a lot of awesome big ideas to Star Wars, and it really felt so much like the movies. I think, yeah. and I think that's why people. Uh, why it resonated with people so yeah. so much. Yeah. So, 
one door closes, another one opens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means you guys get to bring into the new uh, the new writer on the main Star Wars series, and that's going to be Karen Gillan. Yep. Yeah. He's obviously very familiar with the Star Wars universe, very familiar with you guys from writing the original Darth Vader series, mm-hmm. writing Dr. Aphra. Yeah. How did the selection process go? How did you decide that Karen was going to be the next guy? I mean... He was basically our first and yeah. only choice. Yeah. Like, as it soon makes as, sense. As soon as, as soon as Jason, you know, as soon as it became reality that, mm-hmm. that Jason's time had had come to an end on Star Wars. Wow, that sounds so drastic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, I, I'm still... His time had come to an end. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's very dramatic. Happen. It's very Sorry, dramatic. continue. Um, but yeah, like our, our first... It, it, there was no question at all. Like Jordan and I immediately were just like, oh, well, yeah, obviously yeah. we're going to ask Kieran yeah, to write yeah, yeah. it. It was know? all a matter of can he fit it into his schedule because mm-hmm. he's an, also a busy guy with all sorts of books going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly not from Marvel, but still, yeah. still a lot of great books. That's okay. Yeah, no, I, I still read them. We'll allow it. I, I, I give my own money to read them. Wow. I know. Does he know that? Oh, yeah, he knows. You should tell him. He knows. I think it would make him feel Karen, really good. if you're listening. <laughs> yes. We know you're listening. He's always listening. <laughs> He's always listening. Um, and... Uh, the other thing I'll tell you, another thing I'm really excited about is the fact that these are two guys who who know each other well yes. and have worked really great together in the past, mm-hmm. um, both on the Star Wars books, on the two Star Wars crossovers we've done, Vader Down and um, Screaming Citadel, uh, on the fact that they just had a, a kind of sister series between Star Wars and Darth Vader for a while there. But also, even back further, they, they were doing uh, X-Men together mm-hmm. uh, back during Uncanny X-Men and Wolverine and the X-Men mm-hmm. and doing a very... You know, books that again resonated together, um, and and as a result, it's a very smooth passing of a baton for us creatively. Like they, Kieran, Kieran has been reading everything Jason has done so far, so he's very aware of it and he knows about it. And I'm really happy with the fact that we're doing it as a baton passing, not like a complete relaunch. The mm. fact that Kieran's first issue is issue 38, not issue yep. one of a new Star yep. Wars series. Yeah, no, that's very um, cool. Yeah, it should be it should be really good. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled about it. Uh, we, and we've been seeing a lot of the art. We've got we've a couple got, issues drawn already. Yeah, two issues completely drawn. Um, first, 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 The first issue of Kieran's run goes to print in a couple weeks, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's... I'm very excited uh, to for fans to see his spin on it because we are approaching uh, and he is approaching the the main trio mm-hmm. um, from a different angle than, than what yeah. Jason spent the past three years doing. Um, cool. And it's... It's an angle that we haven't really seen explored much with these characters mm. in this time period of this, of the Star Wars mm-hmm, canon, mm-hmm. Um, which I'm very excited to see again how how fans react to it. Oh, I want to say the name of the arc, but I always get the first word wrong. Is it Ghosts of Jeddah? Ashes. Ashes of Jeddah. Wow. Oh, I was so close. Ashes of oh. Jeddah, and yeah, so Jeddah, uh, for those not familiar, is the planet. Which starred in Rogue One. The planet starred. Yes. <laughs> did you see Rogue One? Oh. Oh no! Did you read the comic out. adaptation? I did read. Yes, the you must have. So then, there you yeah. go. Oh, so that's, I know what you're talking that's about. That's fascinating. It's and weird, awesome. right? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get out to see Rogue One yet. I'm I'm planning on seeing it at some it's point. It's good stuff. It's yeah. good stuff. It's a good movie. Yes. All right. Good. It's one of my favorites. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Jeddah Jeddah was a uh, a holy uh, world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that people would make pilgrimages to if they were kind of believers in the Force. and, and Yeah, it's kind of like the Mecca of the Jedi in a way. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, in in Jeddah, it, it well, in, in, in Rogue One, yeah, whatever. We're going to say it gets, it gets, it gets like half blown up. Spoiling it's, every it's, Star it's, Wars movie. It's yeah. the first planet uh, that the Death Star yeah, shoots attacks. the test planet. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't blow up the planet completely, but it blows it up a it good chunk. It doesn't enough of it. that it's not very 
right. inhabitable anymore. Well, it's there you are went, people. You oh, went wow. on vacation. There are still people. There are still people on it, and that's where our uh, first Kieran's first arc of uh, Star Wars takes place. That's really cool. That's really cool. All right, shifting gears quickly. That was a lot of Star Wars talk, but Heather, I want to talk to you about Not Brand Eck. Yeah. Tell me what this is for people who are not familiar with the history of this brand, of this title, uh, what, are, what are you doing and why are you so excited about it? So Not Brand Eck is, uh, we're, we're relaunching, re- sort of? It, it's, well, it's part one, of the it's legacy. It's part of the legacy. Line. It's part of the, the, the legacy um, event. Initiative. That Initiative. There Bringing you know, back old titles. Yes. Um, and so there's there's a lot of one-shots that are happening uh, mm-hmm. amongst this. Um, and Not Brand Eck was, was one of the ones that I was asked to do. Uh, so... Back in the day, we had this series called Not Brand Eck, and it was kind of like a, a satire series, a mm-hmm. parody series, where um, the creators would go in and, and tell all these shorts, uh, you know, just putting spins on on Marvel characters or, or other companies' characters mm-hmm. uh, and, and just doing fun satires and parodies. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now, and... I'm very excited for it. Can you tell us, because I believe we're going to be showing some exclusive pages oh, uh, yes. as we debut this podcast, can you tell us some of the exciting artists and writers who are working on the book? Absolutely. Um, so first and, and foremost, the story I'm probably most excited for is Nick Spencer and Scott Koblish are oh, wow. coming on to tell a Secret Empire abridged. Nice. Um, so, uh, you know, we just spent the entire year telling this, uh, you know, including the free comic book day issue. I think it's mm-hmm. a total of 12 issues total. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, 12 issues took a whole year, you know, to tell this this epic Marvel tale. And Nick Spencer has condensed it all into six pages. Six pages. Um, Good Lord. And... I've never laughed out loud more okay. than when I read that script. Nice. Um, and Scott Koblish is, uh, has turned Brilliant. in through the pages now. Scott mm-hmm. Koblish, for those not familiar, does a ton of work for mm-hmm. Jordan and I on the Deadpool mm-hmm. books. Um, He's truly, an artistic chameleon. He, oh, yeah. Artistic chameleon, yeah. a true comedic genius yep. when it comes to Very art. Um, and it's it's so funny. Um, yeah, I, it's, I mean, the, the, his, his story he's doing there is probably one of the most, like, extreme, exaggerated, cartoony things he's yeah. done in a while. Uh, and it's great. And it's funny because it's coming out relatively close to when he's the, the, the launching artist on Despicable Deadpool, mm. which is some of the, like... Most serious. Yeah, like, grittiest, yeah. <laughs> most violent stuff oh, wow. he's done. It is so... Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's looking. very funny to see him juxtaposed next yeah. to each other. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I also have uh, Chris Hastings and Guri Hiru who work mm-hmm. for me on on the main Gwenpool book. They're yeah. coming in for a Gwenpool uh, satire story uh, called Gwenpool Absorbs the Marvel Universe. Oh boy! Um, that like and fun. I'll just kind of let the name speak for itself. Absolutely. Um, I think I think when you see the art, you'll you'll get the gist of it. Mm. Uh, I I have Ryan North and Erica Henderson mm. doing a Marvel supervillain dating app story. Yes, that's what we need. That's what we need. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to know Ultron or Galactus's what the, what their Tinder profile would look like, this is, is the book for you. Perfect. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I have other stories with Chip Zdarsky, Nick Kosher is coming on, Jay Fosgett's coming on for Forbish Man Returns. Oh, there it is. Uh, you know, the fa- most famous of all Not Brandock characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's 
it's hilarious reading everything. Oh, Katie Cook. Katie yep. Cook is doing a story for me uh, where Peter Parker is writing his own fan fiction. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> that sounds great. So, yeah, there's there's uh, a little bit in there. Every, every I feel like every Marvel hero is getting touched on in some way um, with some of the, the most... Uh, the, the most hilarious uh, comic creators out there right now. Um, are, are the uh, original Not By Next up on uh It's funny Marvel you should Marvel? ask that, Jordan. We were, uh, one of the things we're doing beyond just August is we're telling the sequential history of Jack Kirby on oh. um, Marvel.com. And we hit 1967 yesterday, I think. And uh, Eric Goldman, who works for us out on the West Coast, who was editing that book, or editing that, not that book, that article, uh, noticed that Not Brand Eck was not up on Marvel Unlimited. Wow. So we emailed Jim Nacetis and we said, we need to get this up on Marvel Unlimited. And I think they added it yesterday. Nice. So as so break, breaking news, you can now read it on Marvel Unlimited. If not yet, I bet they're going to be adding it in the very right? near future. What the? I don't, I don't think so. There, the, what the was the, yeah. was that was that late 80s, early 90s, I yeah, think? Yeah, something like uh, that. Basically, the late was 80s, like early our 90s not, version. It was yeah. our Not Brand Eck. I remember... I mean, I was just the right age. I was mm-hmm. young. And I had the Same. issue. The first issue I got was the one that had the the Revengers versus Just a League. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. And I used to take that one and I would like fold it up and put it in my pocket <laughs> so I could bring it to school and have it with me and be like, guys, check it out. It's, it's so Amazing. funny. So many ridiculous, yeah. completely ridiculous gags. Cool. It's a lot. It's a, It's quite a legacy to live up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. There. Yeah. yeah, nice. It's the whole thing we're doing. Promotional. Cool. Well, guys, do you have anything else you want to say about Not Brand Eck, about Marvel Legacy, about Star Wars, about Deadpool? We didn't really talk about him, but anything He's you guys great. want to wrap it up? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. Comics are, are cool, man. You should read them. All right. Yeah, Deadpool's going to kill Cable. It's really going to happen. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, you will see it. Cool. Thanks for joining us, guys. My pleasure. This week in Marvels, this is editor Christine Din. Editor Eric Goldman. And we're here from the West Coast with our insane weather. <laughs> yeah, it actually rained today. Like, not even, like, sad, fake L.A. rain, yeah. but real rain. Yeah, which I said, of course, happened literally the day after I noticed that one of my windshield wipers uh, had, like, basically peeled off and was, like, hanging <laughs> rubber on my, uh, and I was like, I better get that fixed. And but I've got plenty of time. It's LA. It doesn't rain. <laughs> and then like the next morning, I went out, and of course because we had that earthquake and now rain. <laughs> yes. like the world is ending. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it was funny because I mean we're so sad in LA because when it rains, it's like way people make way too big a deal, and you yes. know the news. It all becomes like. They have to send, like, the reporters, it's raining. And so, yeah, you get here to the office, and we're all talking about it. We, we just can't help it. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, why, like, earthquake always trends after an earthquake, because all we do is tweet, earthquake, exclamation point. Yeah, and then you have the, like, because I didn't feel the earthquake the other night. And... I slept through it. Okay, same here. 
But then it's like a lot of people I know felt it. So then they're like, I didn't feel it, you know, and you yeah. have the back and forth about who, who felt it, who didn't, how big, how much did they feel it, you know? <laughs> Lots of earthly conversations. Yes. Yes. That's all we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're saved from the hurricane. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting because I was in Orlando um, last week, uh, like two days after the hurricane. And everyone was, you know, like, it's. I mean, I had some good friends who live there. And everyone was, like, very resilient about it. Like, you know, although everyone said, because, you know, in a way they get used to that kind of, you know, they get used to hurricanes being near them in that area. But then I think they... This was bigger than anyone kind of had felt and you know or expected, but uh, it was kind of crazy and I mean, it was impressive to go to like the theme parks and see that yeah, there's some remnants. I mean, it just happened like the weekend before, yeah. but I mean, you know, that they, they it was kind of business as usual and everyone <laughs> was you know doing their jobs and uh, everyone had crazy different stories about uh, power outages were kind of vastly all over the place as far as like i like we my wife and i were talking to friends of ours and it was like literally some people didn't get their power go out at all and then there were people who the power was out for like five days like went back on like last weekend while i was there that's so bananas yeah yeah and uh because i I think everyone has had power outages but if the power was out for like eight hours like oh my god i can't imagine like five ten days you know without it be like um maybe just it's... Gonna sit in the dark start seance <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it was yeah i'm sure yeah people had like there was a lot of putting down of the phones and human interaction although you know maybe not under the best circumstances but hopefully some people made the most of it i mean i had some friends who have kids and they were like yeah. hey we were playing together in ways we don't always yes yeah. You don't have to look at the TV screen. <laughs> right, right. It was, it was a nice interaction. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was funny to see. Yeah, just everyone everyone had interesting stories there. And yeah, just to see, you know, um, we, we were going to the theme parks. It was a long planned trip that we had. Uh, but yeah, everyone was, you know, just going back to it. And we had a lot of like Lyft drivers. We were asking about their stories. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yeah, I, very, very casual. Like, yeah, we didn't have any power for three days. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you were probably a better person than I because I'd probably be complaining about it way more <laughs> than you are. I know. It's only because we're not used to it. Yeah, exactly. As both L.A. natives. As, like, yeah. As people complaining about a little rain, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like we, we are like cats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with exactly what we know. <laughs> oh, we'll but it was nice to escape our like triple-digit weather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That Too much of that. And, you know, we'll see. It's, it's, it's still September. Things can still creep back up there. But I'll be happy to <laughs> not have the boiling hot weather. It will be nice. We'll yes. see what happens. Yeah. Well, let's head into the world of games. Mm-hmm. The big news coming out of this week is Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite yes. out mm-hmm. now. Um, get it on all the consoles that you guys play on. Um, you know, we are missing Danny Koo this week because he is in Japan celebrating the release over there with the Capcom team so um, hopefully we can get him back next week Mm -hmm. and he can just share us with us um, the reception that he's seeing in Japan yeah but um, if you head over to uh, marvel.com we have um, our last chat for you know behind the scenes and the making of the game we talked to Capcom's Brett Elston and Mike Evans as well as Danny so if you can't get enough, we've got you covered. <laughs> and we had celebratory cake this week. We did from Insomniac. <laughs> yes, yes. Which I know was sent to our New York office as well. So yes. I hope everyone. It was a good 
cake. It was a good cake, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it was, it was, uh, yeah, funny because uh, Ryan was here in the office with us, yes. and so there we go. He he got to enjoy the the LA cake versus the New York <laughs> cake, and I'm pretty sure they would probably send very similar cakes. But I like to think ours yes. is better, slightly I mean, better. We have a lot of good bakeries in here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, also in the uh, gaming realm, uh, the queen of the Inhumans, that would be Medusa herself, is joining Marvel Contest of Champions. Uh, so you can uh, have Medusa now and there, and that's all a nice little lead-up uh, to the fact that the two-hour premiere of Marvel's Inhumans is coming to ABC on Friday, September 29th, so just around the corner. Plus Medusa in Contest of Champions, so lots of uh, Inhuman uh, fun and um, unruly hair. Yes. <laughs> in different realms. Yes. And then heading over into the world of film, of course, Thor Ragnarok, Kirby Crackle comes to life in theaters this November 3rd. And because I know y'all can't wait for this deadly gladiatorial <laughs> contest and race against time, we got the debut on a new IMAX poster as well as an interview with visual spe- uh, special effects supervisor Jake Morrison from our set visit last year. So... Check it out. Don't forget to grab opening weekend tickets before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And can't wait for you guys to see it in theaters. Yeah, yeah. I grabbed my, uh, I'm usually like the, the ticket wrangler for uh, yeah. my large group. So I've, I've, I've gotten the tickets for opening nights. And yeah, then we'll definitely see. at the arc light. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how many more times I see it through the weekend. Yeah. I'll probably also try to go to the El Capitan. I try to you know, oh, yeah. spread it out, see it different, different ways, different cool theaters. Um, and then uh, jumping over to TV, Marvel's The Punisher. Uh, you definitely saw Frank Castle Unleashed this week. First official trailer debuted for Marvel's The Punisher, and it was really cool, guys. It's uh, yeah, it it's is a, bananas. It's intense. It is everything you want Frank Castle to be. Yes, and yeah. more. <laughs> yep, all set to Metallica. Which, you know, I think a lot of us, if we were to say what's the perfect music for yep. Frank Castle and the Punisher, there's <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with some Metallica. You know, I had to have anger therapy or something. Like, yeah. this is the video where I'm just all like, yes, can I, I can't myself channel all that rage, so I'm just going to watch him do it because, <laughs> right. you know, I think it's frowned upon in society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frank's got some issues, you know. <laughs> I think he, he, just, he don't own to that. He just had a lot of heartache. Yes. And he's just working through it. He's just working through <laughs> some stuff, guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but yeah. If I just can just throw around a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a, it's a very cool trailer. You should check it out uh, if you haven't yet. <laughs> and then this weekend we have a brand new episode of Marvel Spider-Man on Disney XD. There's a new spider member in town as Miles Morales develops superpowers after he gets bitten by a spider. And you know what he does right when he gets his powers? He goes and blaps his friends at Horizon High. Um, you know, and of course, thankfully you know. for him, he has Peter Parker as his friend. You know, poor 13-year-old Miles, just really excited. He's all like, I just made this, you know, uh, costume because I wanted everyone to know that we're friends. Not knowing that Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah. But, um, you know, Peter trying to be level-headed you know, having the experience and understanding the great responsibility keeps trying to, like, you know, pull in Miles, trying to, you know, get him responsible. Right, right. And, you know, telling him why we need secret identities and what happens when you reveal which neighborhood you live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be, I think, a cool dynamic because, uh, and, you know, I remember I went to that uh, sort of Q&A event before yeah. the show debuted and they talked about how, 
you know, the whole thing with Miles is he's he's a really good kid, um, given these powers, but he didn't go through sort of the heartache Peter did that right. taught him that very important power and responsibility lesson. Yeah. So while he is a good person and he's not, it's not like, you know, he's going to get the powers and do evil with them, he also might not exactly have the right path yet because he doesn't <laughs> yes. have that lesson. And that's kind of a cool dynamic to put Peter in because right. he can be a mentor here. I know, and he's just a teen himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have a really Peer awesome... tutor program. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, he should just have a class at Horizon High on how to maintain a secret identity and not get killed. Right, right. <laughs> how to also turn your homework in on time. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have an interview with Najee, who voices Miles Morales on Marvel.com. Definitely check it out. And the new episode airs 8 a.m. this weekend on Disney XD yeah. on Saturday. Uh, and then moving over to a world I love so much, <laughs> themed entertainment. Uh, there's actually a lot of cool stuff going on right now. Um, and starting with uh, the superheroes of Marvel, the Day at Sea that's coming to uh, the Disney Magic, to the Disney Cruise yeah. Line. And, uh, you know, we already knew about this. We've been hearing stuff about all these characters would mm-hmm. be kind of the most characters they've ever had on one of these cruise lines together. And so uh, you should check out now. We've got Marvel.com. Uh, spotlights for several of them uh, went up recently for Thor, for Doctor Strange, Star Lord. These are all going to be characters people can meet, interact with there. But Doctor Strange also is going to get this whole sort of cool interactive stage show that will oh. be part of it. Yeah, and it's going to be special effects and projection used to kind of really. Will he help me like go back in time? <laughs> Maybe. Can, you know? I, can I go and pester Gromamu? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, who knows? <laughs> Anything's possible with the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to be like a really cool experience, yeah. um, you know, because there's a lot of different ways you can meet these characters, but it sounds like Doctor Strange is going to get kind of this whole big cool show there. Uh, so yeah, we'll be having plenty more about that that you should be checking out. Awesome. Yeah, tickets are available and I'm going to get on one of these cruises at some point. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still, I'm just always seasick. So all right, all right, I, right. Just, I can't bring myself to you. Perhaps just, Dr. Strange's magic can help you. I know. Can he just keep me levitated so I don't feel the sway? Right, right. We'll see. We'll see what he can do. <laughs> so I don't hurl my uh, 24-7 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dessert concierge on a Disney cruise. That that would be helpful. <laughs> so hopefully you can do that. Um, then also in the themed entertainment realm uh, is that fact that Marvel Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at the Disneyland Resort it now has the Monsters After Dark, a special Halloween version uh, that just uh, just debuted in the past couple weeks. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. I'm really bummed I haven't made it to the park yet because Halloween time is my favorite time. Yeah, yeah. The park in general is actually – so it's funny. I haven't actually been over to Disneyland um, because I was there the other night and only went, had time to go to California Adventure. But it's really cool. It's the first time California Adventure has kind of gone mm-hmm. all in on Halloween. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm a sucker for Halloween, you know, as you guys have heard me talk about, Disney Park's a huge thing for me, but Halloween's also, yeah, my favorite time of the year, so... You're uh, greeted with by Oogie Boogie as he entered, right? Oogie Boogie is at the entrance. Awesome. Like, huge, cool sign for him. Uh, and then, yeah, all through the park, like, um, my favorite color is purple. It's like they designed it for me. It's all <laughs> cool, dark purple lighting everywhere. Yeah. Um, they also even have a... I'm a big fan of when I was a little kid, they would always show on local TV 
the Disney version of Sleepy Hollow. Um, the oh, uh, you yes. know with the, with Ichabod and you yeah. know the, and the the headless horseman that was like the pumpkin head yeah. and he throws the pumpkin. It was really freaky when I was little. <laughs> and there's like a cool headless horseman statue yeah. that they have with the pumpkin head in there. So all sorts of cool stuff. But then the Guardians, um, yeah, the Monsters After Dark version is great. It, it's terrifying. It's it's. it's Dragon monster, yeah, yeah, is after you. <laughs> this monster's after you. I mean, kind of the the whole thing is that the monster that you know that little baby Groot is on his own, and Rocket wants to rescue him. But Rocket might think, hey, if these people are here, they can help distract, and I'll save my buddy. But you know, maybe that big monster can go after you instead. Because we're the bait. We're the bait. <laughs> we're the bait completely. Uh, it's super fun. Uh, the whole experience, but also I really like that it's, yeah, it's like a sequel to the regular ride. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't gone a Mission Breakout yet, you know, I know it's only a few months old, try to go during the day because it's still Mission Breakout, the yeah. regular version during the day, and then it changes over to Monsters After Dark. Like at sundown. Yeah, because it's like, it's a sequel. Like it follows yeah. what happens in the regular ride. This is like right afterwards. Awesome. Yeah, so it's really cool. And then there was a really cool event uh, that they did this week. That I went to the other night, actually, I went to with Ryan when he was out here, and John Sorelli was out here, and we all went to, uh, and it was kind of the the Galactic Meetup, I think, was kind of the name it was all <laughs> under. Erin uh, Glover, she's awesome, uh, works at Disneyland, and if, you, if you're if you a Disney Parks fanatic like me, you might know her name because she writes for the Disney Parks blog. Yes, she's and the best. She's the best. She's so cool, and yeah, it's, it's cool the, that other, like, you know, um, people who are just, like, hardcore Disney Parks fans, like, know her, and like, <laughs> yeah. um, And so she organized all this event the other night, and it was a really cool event. It well, you was, guys had NASA members. We had NASA members. It was, like, the whole kind of idea was it was about how learning how science becomes storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so it was this, on one level, it was kind of like a interesting hodgepodge grouping, but it made sense once they started talking because it was, there was like a, you know, scientist for NASA. There was a NASA astronaut who was there. Yeah. Um, our own Stephen Wacker from Marvel was there. And then two people, uh, Amy Jupiter and John Morrow, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, John, mm-hmm. who are from Imagineering at mm-hmm. Disney were there. And they were kind of discussing how, you know, the idea of science fiction and fantasy how that can kind of influence real life stuff, you know? And it was really cool and interesting. Like they talked about how even these ideas that are super fantastical and might sort of seem ludicrous can still be inspirational to people Mm -hmm. who really get into these fields and are far smarter than we are. (laughs) So there was an Easter egg for people in the queue, right? If you look for Cosmo Space Dog. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like, it's it's continuity people. So (laughs) I won't say too much, but I'll just say, if you if you've done the regular mission breakout, yeah. you know Cosmo is a part of it in both the queue and the ride itself, and so this is a sequel. So if you if you know what happens at the end of the regular ride, they have to account for that in the queue. So yeah. they do a nice they do a very nice job, like little things <laughs> of like you know how this would actually follow the regular awesome. ride. Yeah, you definitely have to go ride at sundown, even though I'm always like. Scared of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, though. It's cool. And then, yeah, and I just have to say that event was really great. And then, um, yeah, Captain Mike Foreman, who's a retired U.S. Mm-hmm. Navy pilot and NASA astronaut, he's standing there. I didn't get to talk to him personally. John Sorelli actually did talk to oh, him. Awesome. And uh, and I talked to John about their conversation. It just sounded, like, kind of amazing because this is a dude who's been in space. Yes. <laughs> like, this is a guy who was telling John what it's like to be in a spaceship looking out at Earth. 
you know, yeah. like looking at you know. zero gravity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the way, he he did get we got official astronaut confirmation that uh, on the ride you do reach zero gravity, albeit briefly. You know, <laughs> he's like he's like it was a few seconds, and it's more, it's it's even cooler if you do it for a couple weeks. <laughs> and one of the Imagineers is like, we only have two and a half minutes. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like when my heart just feels like it's rising and it's right there in my throat. I could not feel that for two, two weeks. <laughs> right. It's right. like, those two minutes are good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He told a funny story about, because um, there was a conversation that went on, like a tangent about the food they eat out yeah. there. And he actually said it's like kind of, they actually give you like a huge list of like 500 foods that like you plan your meals ahead, like what you're going to get. For like your whole entire mission. Yeah, for your whole entire mission. And yeah, it's like weird stuff where you have to, that you take like, like sort of the space food we joke about where you but you like pour water to kind of turn it into the regular food again it's like what ray did in star wars yes it is like what ray did in star <laughs> wars uh and he, but he said it was funny that because he said you know everyone like makes the jokes about like the floating food oh there's your flu- food yeah. floating he says most of it doesn't most of it will like stick to your spoon and stuff yeah but he said the one thing that was uh amusingly didn't work well was granola that again was like it was like weird like sort of like he had to like water the granola to yeah. turn it out. But he said when he opened the packet, it like shot out little pieces of granola. Yeah, and I feel like that would be dangerous to get stuck <laughs> yeah. in the system. Yeah, he said that was like his big note for them on the food <laughs> 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 you know? to to fix the granola. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was great. And then they had uh, they had a little reception afterwards where they had um, lots of fun uh, Guardians themed food, mm-hmm. including. Um, rocket themed macaroons you see oh. the wordplay they did there yeah uh yeah. and they, it was like s'mores macaroons and they were delicious so. oh that sounds definitely i mean everything from the guardians food is really good the group bread the jalapeno and cheese uh, one yep yeah um the the spicy tacos mm-hmm. all of those are just awesome yeah yeah they've, they've they've done they've done very good by it <laughs> so so yeah so it was it was a fun night um and yeah if you can go check out uh the monsters after dark version of the guardians ride because it's really cool Awesome. Well, let's kick it back to the guys on the East Coast. I believe it's Ben, maybe Alex. I don't know who Ben has with him now that Ryan's on the East Coast. I mean, what's his? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's flying back right now. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely talk to you guys next week. Farewell. We're back. We're here on the East Coast. It's Ben and Tucker and Maggie. We're here to do questions and comments. Reminder, you guys, you can communicate with us using Twitter, using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, or email us at TwinPodcastsAtMarvel.com. Our first comment comes from Amanda A.H. Harris and said, I thought they were going to undo Black Widow's death. Devastated. Why was this not a bigger deal on This Week in Marvel? Um... As to why it wasn't a bigger deal on This Week in Marvel, it's kind of a spoiler, and we don't talk so much about spoilers. But yeah, Black Widow died in Secret Empire. Mm -hmm. It was a huge, heroic death. Uh, A lot of people thought it was going to be overturned. I think it was kind of a logical end to her story in Secret Empire, where she was basically saying, I'm going to go after Captain America and do whatever it takes to take him down. She paid the ultimate price. But as you saw in Secret Empire Omega with Winter Soldier, uh, the Black Widow story may not be quite done yet. So I would say stay tuned on that one. I really like the choice to not bring her back because that was kind of, that was like a big thrust of 
the good guys kind of prevailing at the end was saying, you know what, the world isn't a, a perfect place. Mm-hmm. We have to deal with the difficulties of the past. And mm-hmm. that was one of the ways uh, that that manifests itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Tucker. DJ Fanko says, what's this? This Week in Marvel episode 306 is more than three hours and six minutes long. Hashtag impressive. <laughs> Can't wait to listen across commutes. Let us know what you thought, Don. Uh, that was an epic that was an undertaking. 306 was yeah. three hours and six minutes. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. Really? Uh, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that was wow. Maggie's debut. <laughs> debut episode. Uh, HWV saying, hope you have Tom Brewer back on soon this week in Marvel. Always a great listen. Tom will be back soon. I think as soon as next week. Um, stay mm-hmm. tuned. Um, with another special guest we've had on a few times. Joshua Cooper, Commander Socket, says, How do I not know about Marvel 2-in-1, number one? Why do you even have a news section <laughs> if not for uh, Fantastic Four info? Hashtag I miss the Richards. Sorry we didn't talk about Marvel 2-in-1 yet. That's not to say we won't talk about it on the show. We are very excited about it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Tucker's favorite, Chip Zdarsky, writing along with Jimmy Chung. They're going to be chronicling the Avengers of The Thing and The Human Torch. Mm-hmm. And maybe... Maybe we'll get something about the rest of the Fantastic Four. Um, Then Joshua Cooper uh, quoting, I can't bring people back to life, uh, Nico from Runaways number one, and saying, has Nico tried since her world-inspired level in Badass? Basically saying, has she tried to bring anyone back to life since kind of her power-up moments? And Kyle Kyle Charles says, since Jerry Duggan took over Deadpool, it's been the rise and fall of Wade Wilson. Thank you for making me care about Wade. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, so Odin went to the bone zone with the Phoenix. That's not weird at all. It's not weird at all. No. It's perfectly natural. It, I, it's, the way, it's the way of nature and the way of life. Absolutely. There I, you go. Uh, you, you know, a a lot people go to keep get to it people go to the bone zone in the capital of arizona all the time yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely uh moving very quickly on kyle continues generations wolverines brought a tear to my eye great issue totally agree Mm -hmm. really really excellent one again like we spoke about a lot today really really emotional issue that kyle continues he says all caught up on X-Men Blue. I like seeing the Hex-Men turn up and even young Hank is a tool. <laughs> Great note on Hank. Uh, Robert at Captain Rogers 44 says Lots Generations. Say. He has a lot to say, just like last week when we love it. Uh, G- Generations, of the Sh- Generations of the Strongest was a great read. Never been big on the Hulk, but it was a cool insight into his early days. Generations Phoenix was really cool. Wish Gene would have said something, but who knows how much how much worse it could make it. Mm-hmm. Generations the best, giving us nonstop action, then hitting me right in the feels. What a book. Uh, Generation the Thunder was great. It was hilarious with great story. And wait, Odin went to the Bone Zone with Phoenix. Love, Love yeah. how many of you guys are appropriating Bone Zone. You're using it correctly. Uh, it brings a tear to my eye. I'm just so proud. <laughs> I've caught Ben at his desk weeping silently. Weeping and, and, Not even uh, silently, very loudly. <laughs> just openly. Yeah, openly weeping. Uh, Robert continues on, Generations the Archers was amazing. Seeing Clint and Kate together is always fun and exciting, not to mention the references. And he tweets, at Kelly Thompson, your voice for Kate and just general storytelling is awesome. Can't wait for your next issue of Hawkeye. Mm. The G- Generations the Iron, great read, was fun to see a trip to the future rather than the past this time. Secret Warriors number six was a great read. At Matthew Rosenberg, can't wait to see this. How this is all going to go down with Quake versus Deadpool? Totally, totally agree there. 
but just gotta say, naked, dumb, dumb, dumb was uh, with a, posing with a sword in his chest is nightmare fuel for years, but utterly hilarious. Uh, yeah, the best part of that issue, what was a great issue for me, uh, that was so awesome. Generations, the bravest was just great. See, great Carol seeing Marvel again and getting to beat down Annihilus, so cool. I wish he returned would return for a little while to join Carol, but that would only cheapen the exceptional story you wrote here. Yep, check that one at Margaret's stall. Yeah, at Margaret's stall. There you go. Maggie, Thanks, you tell Robert. us. Maggie, tell us what uh, Simon Williams has to say. So Simon says that he was listening to Simon says <laughs> listening to this week in Marvel episode three hundred seven, and that he was wrong about uh, Agent M rapping. And when is your mixtape coming out? You know, Ryan's got a lot of projects going on right now. Uh, like we said, he's out on the West Coast right now, so who knows? He could be negotiating a deal as we speak. Stay tuned. Ooh. Uh, Simon goes on to say, Twim of the week for 9 to 13, Miss Marvel number 22. Kamala wins through the power of love, coffee, and a giant teleporting dog. Hmm. Lockjaw. I mean, who wouldn't win with a giant teleporting dog? Um, from uh, This is all going to be Simon. Yep. So, uh, from what scene she's been in, I really like Kamala's sister-in-law. Yep, great character. Uh, reading Secret Warriors number six, Quake versus Deadpool is a fight I didn't know I wanted to see. Um, uh, Simon also may have missed it, but did they ever say where Squirrel cr- Squirrel Girl got her and Tippy Toes jungle outfits in issue number twenty four? <laughs> um, you know they're super resourceful. They just they pull them together out of nothing. Jungle outfits. Jungle outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. Like me, Simon hopes that the sassy dinosaur Ultron becomes a recurring mm. villain in the Marvel Universe. So say we all. Mm. So say we all. Uh, reading Defenders number five, Diamondback is quickly becoming one of the most dangerous villains in Marvel. Absolutely. Brutal issue. Totally right. true. Uh, last thing, Simon says, I didn't know Hulk liking beans was a thing. <laughs> Makes me think that World War Hulk would have been a, over a lot sooner if the heroes had just given him a big pot of beans when he first came back to Earth. Then again, they <laughs> would have to deal with the aftermath of Hulk eating all those beans. Very nice. What a note to end on. on. What a note to end on. Guys, thank you so much for joining me this week. You did a fantastic job. Thank you. Uh, we we don't need anyone else, but we <laughs> but we miss Ryan and look forward to him coming back. Hopefully next week. Yeah. We'll see. But uh, back, until boss. next time, this is Marvel, your universe. Mm-hmm.